You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. So, so go, go back to me uh, uh, during a time maybe at a lemonade stand when, when the lemonade was, was only a penny, you know, or before I Love, I Love Lucy. It was, it was the early 1900s and there was this race and it was, it was a race to be the first to actually be the inventor of human-sustained-powered flight. And uh, there was this huge race. Uh, essentially what it was is it was the first person to invent the airplane. And so there was this race, some people famous, some people not famous. And, and the guy that was predicted to be the first one that achieved aviation, the, the first one to achieve it was a guy named Samuel Pierpoint Langley. And Samuel Pierpoint Langley, listen to some of these attributes that he had. He was a, he was a professor of astronomy and physics. He, he worked at Harvard. He was the secretary of the Smithsonian. He knew people like Teddy Roosevelt and Alexander Graham Bell. Alexander Graham Bell is the, the guy that invented the, the telephone. And Alexander Graham Bell gave Samuel Pierpoint Langley $500,000 in today's currency to see flight achieved. He got, he got, uh, 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 he was probably one of the most respected scientists in, in the nation. He got two million dollars in addition from the government and personal donors to see this, this dream. Two million dollars. He had 18 years to see this, this dream of humans flying in an airplane come to fruition. And, and so that day came, that, that day came, and uh, he built this launching pad on the Potomac River, and, and uh, all the big newspapers were there, the Tribune, the Times, the, the Washington Post, they were all there to see the first airplane actually fly. And so at exactly 4.45, December 8th, 1903, his, his airplane got put on the, the launching pad and w- w- all the reporters were there. They were ready to, to report about this first flight ever. And the plane launched up into the air. It, it went 60 feet up into the air and then paused and then crumpled and then fell into the Potomac River Twenty feet away from where that flight actually took off. The, the Smithsonian staff at the time, they were with him, but they were, they were there because Samuel Pierpoint Langley was the secretary of the Smithsonian. They said they had never heard more cuss words in their whole lives except when that, that pilot crew, you know, crawled out of the icy Potomac River. And so he was, he was cussing up a storm, but, but his reputation wasn't marred. See, Langley was the laughing stock of the, the known world. He was full of shame. He was, his, his reputation was marred forever. But something uh, remarkable happened nine days later. Nine days later, these two brothers with no college education, no technical training, no experience, no friends in high places, no financial backers whatsoever. In fact, they said, we will not even ask for money. No government help. They built bicycles for a living. Bicycles. And their, their first test plane cost a whopping $15. $400 in today's currency. In exactly 1035, December 17th, Orville, 
or Orville. I, I hope are anybody named or, Orville in here? Orville, uh, I, it's a great name. A great name. Uh, I'm going to get some heat. I know there's probably somebody at, at our church or whatever location. His name is name Orville. But anyway, so Orville climbs up on his belly onto this airplane, and he flew it 120 feet for 12 seconds. And 25 minutes later, his, his brother Wilbur climbed up, and he flew it 175 feet. And then they flew it 1,000 feet. Langley, it took 18 years for Langley, 18 years and over $2 million for him to fly a plane. And it took these Wright brothers four years, four years and $1,000. See, Langley was quoted. What, what's the big difference between these two, right? You've got these, these brothers, no education, no really help. And you've got Langley that's got everything in the world, and, and the big difference between these two is see, Langley thought, man, anybody attempting flight should be given the attention of a hero. See, 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 Langley desired fame and money and power and notoriety. But, but what about those Wright brothers? See, see, why, why did the Wright brothers want to fly? Why did they want to be the first? They just flew because it brought them joy. See, they thought sustained flight would change the known world. And they, they had this dream and this unquenchable desire, this enthusiasm that, that piqued their curiosity. And they, they were pushed into zeal for work, so zealful that they would watch, they would watch birds. And they, they would watch these birds and then they would imitate their movements. And people around them actually said, like, oh, I'm sort of impressed how he can, he can move his arms. He, they would imitate the movements of birds because they were so passionate about reaching flight, about being the first one. People thought they were off their rockers and they didn't care. They could care less who was watching because they knew, man, if we actually achieve this, the known world is going to be changed. You know how many newspapers and reporters were at the first flight of the Wright brothers? How many newspapers were there? None. None. A magazine actually broke the story. The magazine was called Gleanings in Bee Culture. I bet that one flew off the shelves, right? A gleaning and bee culture is the one that broke the story. See, that, that day, the, the most sad thing probably about that day is the day that the Wright brothers flew was the day that Samuel Pierpoint Langley quit. He quit. Three years later, he died in shame and depression. So, okay, what does this have to do with church? What does it have to do with following Jesus? What does it have to do about, about Christianity? And, and here, here's, here's what it comes down to is these brothers desired to change the world. It was a pure joy for them. They did it for the joy. They didn't do it for money. They did it because they loved flying, which brings us to our topic today, which is, is joy. Right, we're, we're in this series called the Refreshed Series, and, and we're all about refocusing and, and rejoicing. And the goal is for, for you all to to rest and have refreshment this summer and, and to eventually get to where you rejoice in the Lord. Right? So we're going we're gonna to be in Psalm 16. If you need Bibles, uh, uh, pens, a service handout, we've got ushers coming down. Just, just wave them down. And I just want to take a second to, man, thanks for 
Thanks for coming to Grace today. You could have chosen anywhere to worship, but you chose here, so thanks for coming. Wherever you're worshiping, whether it's in the venue, Oetha, any of our campuses online, man, th- thank you so much for just worshiping with us. I'm, I'm, I am super glad you're here. So um, we're going to pray, and we're going we're gonna to hop in. Father, I just want to want to come to you, and God, I pray that you would just reveal what joy is. That you would reveal it, that you would uh, let us know where we're supposed to go for it. I pray that our church would be a joyful church and that the whole world would look at our church and say, man, there's something different about those guys. There's something different about them. They're a church that serves. They're a church that's outward focused. They're a church that wants to take this message of Jesus all over the known world. I pray that we would do that. pray all these things in your son's name, Jesus. So, so do you know what joy is? Like joy, joy is literally simply this. It's, it's simply gladness, happiness, cheerfulness. My favorite, it's, it's defined as calm delight. Right, calm delight. But, but so I was thinking about, man, what are, what are some of the things that bring me joy? You know, if you think about some of the things that bring you joy, you're going to be forced to actually look at the things that bring me some joy. So, so let, let's actually take a look. And uh, graduating high school was a, was a huge joy for me, right? I mean, a, a gigantic joy. Go ahead and laugh. All right. Listen, I got diamond earrings. I had big old two-carat diamond earrings. Hallelujah, you can't see them in there. But, but besides graduating high school, that brought me some joy. What brought me joy was to get out of this phase in my life, by the way. To get out of it was, was awesome. And, and by the way, the reason why I have a beard is to, to cover to cover that, to cover that thing up. But, uh, some, some of the other things that brought me joy were when I got married, right? Same thing, right? Okay. So here, here's the, the deal we have. You can make fun of me all weekend, but next week, don't you say a word. Don't say a word. But so this is a uh, getting married. Fantastic. Brought some serious joy. She still looks amazing today, just as she did when we got married. So that, that, that brings me some joy. And then having our first child, Huge joy, right? She, she was eight and a half weeks early, and so she's got a little feeding tube. And uh, even even at that point, we were excited, and we still had joy. And she barely fit in the palm of our hand. She was so small, like four pounds. We still had joy. It was just an amazing experience. The, the best part probably was practicing. Practicing to have a baby was pretty awesome. I don't have any pictures of, of that though. So, but, but, so probably practicing brought us to having number two. So we had a, a boy also. Uh, he was sort of glad that we practiced. Uh, and, and so it, he's just a, a amazing stud, brings me joy all the time. And then, then getting this little beauty. Ah, oh, getting this little beauty right here. Yeah, we got, we, uh, we were foster parents for quite a few years and sh- she's ours permanently. Right? And so we got her pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and clap it up. Pretty awesome. And then this one brought me some joy. It's out of chronological order, but it it brought me some joy. Check out that busted wig, man. That thing, that is a head of hair right there. It just looks, I'm I'm joyful also that somebody took that picture. And you know, uh, baptism is is awesome. Doesn't bring you salvation, right? Jesus is the one. But I, I was just excited. I got some joy because uh, right? Baptism doesn't take any talent. You don't have to be gifted. You're literally getting dunked in water. And so, but I was so excited and joyful because I got to be obedient to what Jesus was asking me to do. 
And then, you know, working two years, we were uh, trying to make it to Spain. This is uh, the Cathedral of St. Paul, St. Paul's Cathedral in Valladolid, Spain. We were going there to share Jesus as as church planting missionaries. And that's my wife and and daughter. And uh, we lived there for a year and some change. And uh, it was so exciting to to actually get our feet to land there. You know, I I don't know what brings you joy, uh, relationships. Maybe it's some things that are temporary, like like money, maybe it's your house. But, but see, all those things that, that brought joy were, were temporary. You know, I moved from school. I moved on from school. My kids started talking, right? Joy automatically leaves when your kids started talking. When, when you have them, they started talking. I, I still love them, and I appreciate them so much. But, but really, and then I realized marriage was hard after 12 years of marriage. I, Okay, after one year of marriage, I realized that it was hard. And then I realized that I couldn't get baptized every single week. If I could, I would, because it, it brought some serious joy. But I, I realized that, that the only place I can get joy, there's only one place, just like sustained flight, there's only one place that I could get sustained joy, or, or I was searching out, where's the place that I can go to over and over and over to, to get joy? And then I started reading the scriptures, and Galatians 2.5 says, that the truth of the gospel, that the truth of the good news of what Jesus has done, the, the gospel, that it would, it would continue with you, that it would continue. And then you connect that verse with uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 16, that, that says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news of what Jesus has done. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That word salvation means rescue. I need continual rescuing. I need a place where I can go for continual joy, and there's only one place. There's only one place that I can go for, for continual joy. If you look in Psalm 16 with me, verse 11, Psalm 16, 11, it says, you will, you will show me the path of life, the path of living, not just bland and ordinary, but, but in abundant life. In your presence is fullness of joy, fullness of satisfaction and abundance at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What's, what's amazing about this psalm is it's called a golden psalm. And, and at the title of some of your Bibles, it, there's this word, it looks like michtim. But it's like the way you pronounce it is michtim. And michtim uh, was, uh, it's the reason why it's called gold. And, and so I think David right here, he's writing and he's, he's saying, hey, hey, listen, this is a precious psalm. This is a, a song. This is a, a precious psalm, a song of great worth. The funny thing uh, about that word mictum is it has two meanings. One, one meaning is golden, but the other meaning is to be covered or to be in secret. And not only just a secret or to, to cover it, but it, it was a, a covered secret in times of crisis and in times of peril. And so right here, I believe David seems to be saying, hey, 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 do you want to find the secret? Hey, do you want to find the, the mystery of joy? It's, it's right here. It's, it's right here. Jo- joy is in the presence of God. If you're taking notes, write that down. Joy is in the presence of God. There's, there's nowhere else. Do you, do you ever have those God moments? 
You know, last week I was uh, sitting out at the Connection Center and I had some friends. They were uh, uh, coming, they'd come to Grace and they left the service and we sat down and we were just chatting about life. And I mean, this couple, they just, they've got a ton of stuff going on. A ton. He, he just started a business. They've got a, they've got a child with special needs and, and the realistic uh, truth is that their life has changed because of of that child. The child is amazing, intelligent, gifted, just a, a joy. But it, it's changed some things for them. It's changed how they plan. It's changed how they go to the doctor. They, it, I mean, it's changed everything for them. You know, they, they've got other kids also. And just like marriage is hard, parenting is hard. And, and so they've got other kids that they have to parent also. And, and then not only that, they're struggling with some of the things in their community and things were just pounding on them over and over and over. Just lots of stress, lots of stuff going on. And then we're in this refreshed series, right? We're in this refreshed series and, and, and they're not feeling so refreshed. They're not having the little cold glass of lemonade when they come in and saying, I just, everything's fantastic. And for for some reason, I knew I was going to speak this weekend, but the reason why I was at God moment was because I'm sitting there talking to them, and I I know that I'm speaking, and I'm going to go, you know what, I literally thought, I'm just going to talk about joy and how Christian life is so easy and how following Jesus is just, you know, throwing rainbows at your backpack while you're riding a unicorn. That's what I was thinking. Which is not true and not everybody is refreshed. And then I started realizing things aren't always so easy. And, and David is writing Psalm 16 during 1 Samuel chapter 27. In 1 Samuel chapter 27, David, this, this guy that wrote this psalm that's going to be the eventual king of Israel, really the king of the known world, there's another king before him and he is searching out David's life and he wants to kill David. The king of the known world wants to kill David. He wants to chop his head off. And then so David hides for 16 months. 16 months, and he doesn't just hide anywhere, but he hides among the Philistines, and all of the Philistines hated David. And so he's hiding, and then you start thinking, like, what? David is writing this psalm, in Psalm 16, in peril, and war, and noise, and stress. And literally, David is saying, joy is not based on circumstances. Joy is not based on circumstances. Then you read Psalm 16 again with that light. Look at it with me again. Says you will show me the path of life. You will you will help me to continue to live. You will help me to be to be sustained still. In your presence is fullness of joy. I can't go anywhere else. I can't go among the Philistines and get joy. I can't go among my own people and get joy because I'm, people are searching out my life to kill me. So I only can get sustenance from you. I can only get satisfaction and abundance. I can't go anywhere else. At your right hand are pleasures for forevermore. It's not just anyone's presence either. What happens eventually is there's this guy named Peter and he, he walks with this guy named Jesus for, for three and a half years and then Peter quotes the Psalm 16 in Acts chapter 2 verse 28. And he says, you have made known to me. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. And, and do, does he misquote it? Because it, it's actually it's actually different. But literally, 
He's saying this, right? You, you read the first one, you will show me the paths of life. Like you're going to eventually because I'm in this time of crisis, this time of peril. But then uh, Acts chapter two, he says, you have made me, you have made me known. You, I know it now. I know the ways of life. I know where to go. Because it's not just anyone's presence. Psalm 16 is a prophecy about Jesus. He's literally speaking about Jesus and the path of life is in Jesus. The, his presence in the presence of Jesus is the fullness of joy. It's not just anybody's presence, but joy is found in the presence of Jesus. Joy is found in the presence of Jesus. You know, in, in Christian circles, we often uh, quote uh, Psalms 51. Right, Psalm, Psalms 51 verse 12, it says, Restore to me, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Right, he's saying restore to me the joy of, of not your salvation, not your salvation, but, but God's salvation. So restore to me the joy of my salvation. Please restore it to me. And this is another psalm in crisis and peril. He is writing this, listen, David literally covers up a murder. He has sex, David has sex with a man's wife and then has the husband killed. And then he's writing this and saying, hey, God, restore. Please restore me, restore me. Even in my sin, please just restore me. You know what it's called? Rejoicing. It's called rejoicing because you are literally rejoicing. You're, you're getting joy again. Do you know those, all those pictures I, I showed to you earlier? You know how I get joy from them again? I, I remember them. And, and I look at them. And I try to get joy. And I go back to that day. But if I want sustained joy or if I want new joy, it's found in Psalm 16, right? In your presence is fullness of joy, fullness of satisf- satisfaction and abundance. Yes, yes, go, go back to the, those days or those things. But God, listen, Jesus and God are saying, hey, hey, come be with me. Like, come and be in my presence. Just come be with me. You know, so, so often, uh, we say these things like, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to get in the presence of God. Like, what does that mean? Like, seriously, like, uh, just come be in, just go be in the presence of Jesus. What does that mean? That's like Christianese, go be in his presence. But, but check this out, that word presence means face. Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, Moses, it says, talk to God. He spoke with God as a friend does a friend face to face. Face to face. And, and so what does it mean practically to get in his presence is to get face to face, man. You know what? You open his word. You want to be in the presence of God. You open his word and you pray and, and set an appointed time, set an appointed place. Like make a, make a place in your house where you go, you know what? This is where I meet with God. I'm going to meet with him. I'm going to read his word. I'm going to, I'm going to pray to him. He's going to speak to me. I'm going to, I'm going to be in his presence. Have, I know it sounds super dorky, but have a coffee date with God. Like set up a date with him where you say, I'm going to be in his presence. And you ever hear some people pray? 
It, it always uh, it struck me, but that, that's how I learned to pray was, uh, Jesus, I just pray to you. Jesus, thank you so much. Jesus, I just pray that you would bless me. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, and do, do, do you talk to your friends that way? You know, hey, hey, Joe, I just love you, Joe. Joe, you want to hang out later, Joe? Joe, I, all right, when people start saying my name over and over, it makes me a little wary, like they're going to try to sell me something, right? <clears throat> and so what, what happens if you just talk to God as a friend, as a friend, as you do with your regular friends? You know, the, the other way to get in his presence is to remember that day. And you remember that day when he saved your soul? When he, he reached down into this earth and he, he picked you up and said, you, you, hey, you, you're mine. Like, I love you and you're, you're, you're mine. I'm gonna, I want to be with you. You remember that day? That's how you can get in his presence. You don't just remember it for yourself either. You remember it for others. So you take that remembrance of, of when he saved your soul and then you share it with your, your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, your, your fellow students. You, you share it. That's another way to get in his presence. Another way, my, my wife said, hey, you got to tell that story about smiling. And I, ha- I had this mentor uh, he's a president of a missions agency. He was in France for quite a few years, started a church, and we used to meet monthly, and, and his name's Dale. And, and Dale said, man, there's all these verses in the Bible that say, put on joy. Put on joy, like put it on, like, like it's an action. You've got to figure out how to do it. You, you put it on and you do it with purpose. And so I took that idea and I said, I'm just going to smile more. I'm going to smile like often, right? That, that is like the low bar, low hanging fruit right there. Just smile to, to try to put on joy. And, uh, so my wife was like, you have to tell that story. And I go, did, did it really make that big of a difference? And she said, absolutely. It made a difference. I guess I'm sort of crabby at home often. So she, she was reminding me, Hey, tell that story. Maybe, maybe you should take up smiling again, right? So, so th- those are just practical ways in, in to get in his presence. You, you do it on, on purpose. Another way, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, but grow, but grow in the grace, grow in the undeserved love, grow in the undeserved love and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Grow in the knowledge. Do you know everything about him? Have you researched who Jesus is? Have you, have you known him? Have you read his scriptures? Have you studied who he is? Like, have you got to know him? Like, get to know him. Like he, he's real. He's a real guy. He's not just some God afar off. He's just not some fake story, but he, he's real. And if you really want to get in his presence, get to know him. Get to know him. Get knowledge about who he is. See, see the Wright brothers, the Wright brothers wanted to share their knowledge with the whole known world. They went to France in uh, uh, December 24th, Christmas Eve, 1909, the first flight west of the Mississippi. You know where it was? None other than Overland Park, Kansas. So Wilbur and Orville climbed up in 1909 on Christmas, and they flew because they loved flying so much, they had to share it with the world. They had to share it. So who do you identify more with? 
the, the Wright brothers, right? Everybody wants to identify with the Wright brothers. They're the most successful, successful duo in the, most of the known world at the time. But, but who, who, do you, who do you identify with? The, the Wright brothers or, or Langley? Right, the, the Wright brothers were on this venture to change the world, and, and it was going to be a, a change through this invention. But, but how much more of a responsibility do we have? We, we have the chance to share the truth with somebody to change their eternity forever. You know why we desire to plant a hundred churches? We desire to, to plant a hundred churches because we want to see people changed because of what Jesus has done. Can God still use this church? Absolutely. But should we still send people out? Absolutely. But we want to plant churches because we want to see people changed by the story and the message of what Jesus has done. So that's the, the ride brothers. But what about Langley? Right? Maybe you're, you're trying to fill your life full of temporary joy. Maybe you're having a hard time in life right now. Maybe you've made some terrible decisions. I mean, I, I relate with you. I have made some awful decisions that have hurt the very people in those pictures that I showed you. I've made some terrible decisions that, that hurt them deeply. I, I, I've done some silly stuff and, and you know, I, I desired sin more than God sometimes. And, and so, so I did that. But here, here's the incredible thing is I experienced something. I experienced grace and acceptance. Even the people that I sinned against, I experienced that undeserved love. They gave me acceptance. And then they also realized that Jesus has already paid for my sin. He's already paid for it. He's, he's paid my past sin, my present sin, and he's paid for all of my future sin. And all those people that I heard, they said, you know what? I'm going to love you anyways. And I received acceptance and I received joy. See, the, the gospel, grace, changes things. All those experiences, I, I, re, I got grace shed on me. It was given to me by somebody that didn't have to give it to me. But they, they gave that to me, and then it produced joy. You know, I want to close with this. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. See, he's running a race and he's saying, hey, get rid of everything. Get, get rid of everything that weighs you down, right? Even good things. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, all those things, right? They're not sin, but sometimes they might weigh us down. They, they might trip us up. They might not get us into God's presence. He's saying, get away, get just, get that stuff out of here. But then sin, get rid of that sin, kill it, get it out of here. The stuff that trips you up. So those are some practical things, but then he gives us the solution. Verse two it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you remember Psalm 16? The right hand. Jesus is at the right hand of God. And can you believe that he said that? The, the joy? Are you kidding? The joy to, to get beat and punched and spit on and crucified. The joy? How can he say that that was a joy? 
Psalm, Psalm 16 right there, he says, the joy, I counted it a joy because I was providing somebody pleasure forevermore. Ple- pleasure? So you are going to get beat and spit on and hit and punched and crucified so I can have pleasure forevermore? Are you kidding me, God? Are you serious? Like, you really are going to do that so I can have pleasure? What's wrong with you, God? Like, are you serious? I can't, that is so hard for me to believe. He counted a joy so I could have pleasure. So I could have pleasure. Man, what happens if we took our suffering and counted it as joy as he did? So, 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 so where are you? Are you, are you searching for joy in Jesus? Or are you searching for temporary happiness? He, he wants to know you. Like he's a real God that like desires you, that accepts you even in your junk. He desires you. So where are you? You searching for joy in Jesus? Or are you searching for temporary happiness? Let's pray. Father, I pray that I would just search for joy in you. God, I pray this for our church. I pray that we would search for joy, search it for for uh, you. God, that we would be with you, that we would uh, just jump into everything you have. God, I pray that we would know you, that we would read your word, that we would get close to you. God, be present with us. And I pray that we would practically take steps to run into your presence to set aside a time and a place where I meet with you because you're not afar off you are not afar off God sometimes I feel like you're afar off I feel that but I know the truth is that you are not God, I I love you and I'm so thankful for our church. I just pray that we would be on this venture not to to, uh, achieve flight, but that we would achieve joy in your dear son. God, we love you. We just pray that, that special prayer that we would take the joy that you've given us all over this world, that we would share it with people that have never heard it before that we would share it with people at our jobs and that we would share it with people under a bridge. That we would share it with everybody because you counted it a joy, a joy to endure the cross. We love you. Pray all these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.